then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Thank you so very much for reading that passage. And um, we come this lunchtime to look again at Jonah, a series of three. And it's been a joy, let me say that, to be with you. And, uh, but we, more than anything else, as we come to the Word of God, we want God uh, to speak to us. And so let us give ear to Him now as we seek His face. Amen. 
Father, we do thank you very much that you are a good and a kind God. But there are serious matters at hand, and we are considering them together this lunchtime. And I pray that you would, you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear, we ask in your name. Amen. There are some movies you can watch again, and is there a light actually here? There are some movies that you can watch um, again and uh, again, and one of those movies is Forrest Gump. Now, our Forrest is uh, your all-round American hero. You just can't help but love the man. And there's one scene that, for me, is particularly moving. His platoon of, uh, of Marine Corps are, are ambushed in Vietnam, and Forrest is determined to save his best friend, Bubba. Uh, under enemy fire, he runs deep into the jungle looking for his friend. Instead, he stumbles upon a, a soldier, an injured soldier, and he, he lifts him up, puts him on his, on his back, and he carries him out of the jungle. He, he saves him. And then he goes into the jungle, determined to find uh, Bubba, and he does the same again. He stumbles upon another soldier, and he puts him over his soldier at shoulder, and he carries him out. He rescues him. He does this again and again until he eventually finds his colleague, Bubba. It's an amazing picture of sheer determination to save. And determination to save is a quality that God has in abundance. And it's a quality that is on display in all its magnificence in the conclusion to our passage in Jonah this lunchtime. Now, each week we have seen that the book of Jonah holds up a mirror, if you like, to us and asks us, do we have the character of God or are we more like the character of Jonah? And today the author asks, do we love the lost like God or like Jonah? Are we determined as God to see people rescued from a lost eternity? Are we willing or reluctant speakers? Well, let's see first God's determination to use Jonah to reach the lost. Now, verses 1 to 2 are effectively a, a, a further commissioning of Jonah, and it parallels the first commissioning given in chapter 1. There, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message. I give you. The difference is that this time Jonah does as instructed. There, verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, on the face of it, this recommissioning is not that significant. It's not that remarkable. It pretty much repeats the, the previous commissioning. Yet it is easy to miss the significance of two words in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Second chance. This is the message that Jonah is to preach to the Ninevites. Make a fresh start. God offers you a new beginning. See, the core message of the gospel is make a fresh start. Sinners like you and me who have rebelled against the creator God are offered another chance. 
It's the message of you can have a fresh start. But it's also a message of you can have fresh starts. Plural. You know, no matter how many times we stumble, no matter how many times we rebel, God is willing to give us a fresh start. You know, his mercies really are new every morning. Now we come to God, a God who is full of forgiveness. We serve a God full of grace. Our Lord stoops down again and again, not because we are deserving, but because he is loving. Only you know where you are this lunchtime in your relationship with your God. It's a private matter. But here, clearly, this lunchtime, you can have a fresh start. God comes to you a second time. Now don't listen to that voice in your head. No, I've really, I've really messed up this time. There's no hope for change. There's no place for forgiveness this time. Now the message of the gospel is this. The message of grace is this. The message of your heavenly father is this. I will come to you a second time. And a third time. And a fourth time. And as many times as it takes. Jonah now knows this. He also now knows that God has something for him to do. He is to go and speak to the Ninevites. Quite frankly, God's determined to use Jonah to do his bidding whether Jonah wants to do it or not. Jonah is going and that is that. Why Jonah? Who knows? But God in his mystery is calling him to do this. And maybe God is calling you or me to do something this lunchtime. And it's clear from our journey through this book of Jonah what God will do, he will do. There's no point running away. It's worth maybe taking a moment to ask ourselves, is God calling me to do something? Am I listening? It may be uh, to do a range of different things, but it might be, it might be a calling to be more willing to speak about our faith, to be a willing speaker. The author now gives us a reason why this really matters. It's because God is determined to be tough. Jonah must preach God, the message that God has personally given him. There, end of verse 2. He has no choice. And note, it is a tough message. Jonah enters the city, verse 3, and begins to speak, verse 4. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The same verb here for overthrown is used for God's destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a tough message. It's a message not to be taken lightly. The Ninevites listened to the warning. Verse 5, the Ninevites believed God and a fast was proclaimed and all the people from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. 
Verse 6, the king joins in and issues a decree, verse 7 through 9, that everyone must call urgently on God. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Now, it is a matter of waiting. They must count down the 40 days together and wait and hope. You can imagine the, the tension rising with each passing day. You can hear the, the optimist saying, you know, who knows, you know, God will surely save us. The pessimist, not a chance, we're doomed. The city would have been gripped with uncertainty. It would have been a somber and a serious place. Now it's noteworthy that Jesus picks up on this very same tough message in Matthew chapter 12. You may remember that the crowd asks for a sign that Jesus is who he claims to be. And Jesus gives them the sign of Jonah, indicating that he will die and he will be raised back to life. And then Jesus says these words. The people of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. See, Jesus here presents a picture of a trial. And it's no ordinary trial. No, this is the, the highest court in the universe. The dead, the great and the small stand before a great white throne. It's the day that we will give account. It's the day when we as Christians hope that Jesus will say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. The first witness is called. And guess who it is? The people of Nineveh. And they will testify against all those throughout time who have not made their peace with God, says Jesus. Why? Because they did. The Ninevites called urgently on God, repented of their sins, pleaded guilty as accused, put their trust in God's mercy. Have we done the same? Verse 10 should give us hope. What God saw, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So we've had God's determination to save, God's determination to be tough. Here now we have God's determination to show grace. Now, when was, when was the last time that you were, you were really angry? You know, not slightly upset or perturbed or, or, or ruffled. I'm talking about, you know, that real sort of, sort of inside anger. You're about to explode anger. You're triggered by someone who has hurt you or, or something that's happened that you're, really upset you. And at the beginning of chapter 4, we see here that Jonah explodes with anger. Verse 1. But to Jonah, God's failure... To judge Nineveh seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Angry enough to want to die, verse 3. He's totally lost it. He's hopping mad. He's furious with God's gracious message. But Jonah, he's so human, isn't he? It's easy, isn't it, for us to be appalled with Jonah, and particularly in the way that he speaks so irreverently to God. But at the same time, are we not drawn to him? Isn't there something in his straightforwardness 
that we can't help but like. He does and says the things that we sometimes want to do and say. Here we have. You know, have we not at times wanted to run away from God? Have we not at times wanted to get angry with him? It's been confusing at times to understand why Jonah behaves the way he does. Yet, we, yet he doesn't, we know that he doesn't like the Ninevites, but it seems sort of rather excessive to, to run away from God because you don't like a group of people. And now here we have a situation where he's having a, a huge mood over, over God's grace to them. Now what is Jonah's problem? It would seem that it largely comes down to this. A disagreement with God over God's own character. And it's not that Jonah doesn't know what God is like. I mean, this is the irony that's running through the whole of this story. You know, he tells God there in verse 2, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That it was, that it was what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. And you make me sick. I always knew. I always knew, God. I told you back there that you would forgive them. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate. And I'd rather die than have anything else to do with this. He's so human, isn't he? In a way, Jonah is giving us permission to be honest with God. A university professor once said to me, you know, your God is big enough to handle your greatest doubts. He's big enough to handle your greatest temper tantrums. Now look here, look at how God graciously deals with his impetuous child. God asks Jonah a very simple question. Verse 4, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? You who have received nothing but grace. Jonah, you ran away from me. I could have let you drown. I could have retired you as a prophet. But I gave you a second chance. I have showered you with grace upon grace. Is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry? It would be very easy, wouldn't it, for us uh, to join in with the questioning. Yes, Jonah, what right have you to be angry? What right have you to speak to God like that? But what if God show grace to Isis? Surely... These are the, the ruthless equivalents of the Assyrians today. They've terrorized the Middle East with their savagery and butchery, beheading and crucifying Christians, it seems, at will. Now, how would we feel if God relented and showed them mercy? And closer to home. Has someone hurt you deeply? Are you struggling? find forgiveness in your heart for them? See, Jonah's attitude forces us to question our own attitude. See, have we understood the depth 
of God's grace. Has it changed us from deep within? And we see here what the author is showing us. He's showing us that Jonah's view of God's character is hypocritical. Now Jonah has experienced firsthand God's extravagant and abundant love. He's experienced his saving grace and mercy. And he wasn't moaning about God's grace when he was sat up in the belly of the whale having been saved. God gave him another chance. Now have we fully grasped how much of a sinner we are. Have we under, fully understood the extravagant love of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and was raised for us? Well, let us conclude this short series in Jonah with the author's main reason for writing. God's determination to save. In verse 5 we read, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. See, he'd been hoping God would do a Sodom, do a Gomorrah. He wanted God to rain down burning sulfur on them and destroy Nineveh. He built himself a shelter and he sat back to watch. He'd counted down the days as well, but for a different reason. He wanted judgment, not mercy. And when those 40 days had passed, he only has his anger for company. Meanwhile, God continues to show Jonah grace. You know, he wants him to understand his character, to understand his heart for the lost, to understand how sinful Jonah is. Verse 6, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah w was very happy about the plant. God then takes the plant away to try and break through that hard-heartedness, to try and stir up some compassion. Verse 7, Jonah he wants to die in response. Uh, but, God, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? Do you see here how God uses the plant to make one last appeal to Jonah? Verse 10. Jonah, you are more concerned over the loss of a plant than the loss of a human soul. Can that be right? Verse 11, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more people, more than 120,000 people? Should I not have concern for thousands of lost souls? Forget the plant, Jonah. God does not answer his own question. Jonah is left to reflect on the question, and as readers, we are to linger on this question as we close the book of Jonah. It is to penetrate deeply. It is to trouble us. Do we have the heart for the lost as our God does? We're meant to stand back as readers and ask how this situation impacts us. Jonah is irate over the loss of a plant. 
yet are moved by the potential destruction of a city. And the lasting impression we have here is of a lost city. People who do not know their right hand from their left. Spiritually blind people. Jesus stood over Jerusalem and he wept. Will you stand over London and weep? Will you stand over your city? Your own city, your own country? And weep. And that is why he has been commissioned to be a willing speaker of God's message of grace. To keep going back into the battle to rescue people in the face of the enemy, just like Forrest Gump. Hear then the message of the book of Jonah. Be willing speakers for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In all that you do, in all that you be, in all that you say.